Hello everyone, welcome to episode 12. That's right, Dallas, this is 12 more than I thought we'd make it, but uh, we're here. The Dirty Dozen. Good, you? Good. Man, good guest this week, your get. My get, my best friend, former teammate. We'll see if he reciprocates on the best friend thing, but uh, he, he's a medalist on the FIB at the youth level, and he's won a couple Norsecas. He wore cat shorts to a world championship photo shoot. I can't wait to ask him about that. Uh, he's an owner of a one volleyball team, owner of the uh, Magnus Spartans. He is a self-proclaimed model, athlete, and possibly motivational speaker. Uh, medalist at the McCovey Games. Did they win the McCovey Games? They did win the McCovey Games. Sweet. And a member of Crush Volleyball Club. We're a bunch of medals there. And he won an OUA title with Queens. We've got a real winner on the show. Let's, let's bring him in. Aaron Nussbaum. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for um, coming on, Aaron. I've got a good get, but I'll take it. Um, a lot of accolades you guys throw out there, and uh, seems like a short career, but uh, you guys are making me look good. I promise I'm not as good as these guys make me appear, but I appreciate the shout out. Well, it, it's good to have you. So I guess fill our fill our listeners in. Where are you in your season right now? How's it going so far with uh, you and Mr. Mike Plantinga? Yeah, so this season we're kind of midway through. It's kind of an interesting spot to season. Um, start of the year, our two goals were I guess world champs first and um, Pan Am game second. Um, so for the Pan Am games qualification process, uh, for most, those who don't know, it was your best four results period from January through uh, actually the end of this weekend, June sixteenth, which is uh, Warsaw, Poland, is the last event right now. So. Um, Due to that, not entry points, you kind of got to get out there and play. You can play as many events as you want, but the more you play, it could end up hurting kind of your seating and your entry rankings moving forward. So we ended up playing five. Uh, we started, where did we start? Sydney, we started down in Australia. Uh, went up to Cambodia for a tournament. Uh, where did we go? Malaysia for a one-off. Down to Intapima, Brazil. And we just got back from Ostrava, Czech Republic about a week ago. Um, so we're off until another month or so. Then we're headed out to Vancouver for the quick weekend for the Van Open, which should be awesome again this year. Looking to improve on our crummy fourth place finish last year uh, to Edmonton for the inaugural FIVB hosted in the city of Edmonton. That'll be a three-star event uh, and late end of July. Uh, and then hopefully, pending next week, back home for a day or two and then off to hopefully Pan Am Games in Lima, Peru. So you mentioned uh, the qualification process. You mentioned that, uh, that there's currently a four-star event going on in Warsaw now. Um, because our, our, uh, our listeners can't uh, see you, you've been nice enough to Skype in. Uh, where in the world are you right now? I am currently in Toronto, Ontario, oh. in my condo. Okay, just, uh, okay. just making sure. Um, no, it, uh, it's good to hear that... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to show you Scotiabank Arena right there. Yeah, for those of you that don't know, Aaron lives right in uh, right it's in Jurassic can't Park. Tell them where I live. That's a bit creepy. I wow, in Jurassic Park, that's a fair that's a fair bit. And you know what? By the time that this airs, the Raptors will have won. So <laughs> everyone will be there anyway. Everyone will be there anyway. So it's not a big issue. But uh, no, it's really good that uh, you know you've uh, you've explained pretty uh, efficiently the the qualification for the Pan Am Games and. Uh, you know, it uh, it's good to, to hear that you guys have put yourself in a in a position to qualify, and uh, we uh, we're rooting for you on this end. Well, thanks a lot. Yeah, it was uh, something that we looked at last year on the schedule, and when the dates came out for the tour uh, for this season, we saw the overlap of the four star in Tokyo and the five star in Vienna. So, our thoughts are that the 
our two top teams right now, the Sams and uh, Grant and Ben, aren't looking to do that because you would take away, especially from the five-star, in terms of six-star value points for the Olympic qualification process. So it looks like those teams are likely to turn it down. Uh, you mentioned your your schedule from um, you know the start of the year until July, and you've mapped it out pretty uh, pretty efficiently. What goes into um, you know prepping a, an international schedule with your partner, with your coach? Um, how do you manage that, and, and how do you determine tournaments to add, tournaments to omit, and uh, tournaments that you thought were a good idea at the time, and, and and you have to take them away sort of as you go. Yeah, there's a lot of planning and modifying on the go, uh, especially when points come into play and money, etc. We looked at when we sat down at the end of last year, we had to think 14 international events on the year, which is a lot of events for even you know main draw teams over the world. So um, we kind of broke it down. We're like, okay, like 10, 10 would be extremely good, and you know eight would still be solid. And you know in the first half of the season, we're going to look at getting at least four because that's what we need for Pan Ams. Um, and we ended up doing a fifth because we after Brazil we didn't qualify and we needed a bit of more of a point bump. So we kind of. Now it's, we're in the second half where it's like we're not going to bust our butt to go to tournaments, fly to China to play a qualifier and a four-star kind of thing. We're going to you know, get back in the gym for a good month, rest our bodies a little bit, build up some strength, and get back out there for obviously Edmonton, hopefully Pan Ams, and then just kind of wait and see what the fall brings. Um, the, I heard the FIV schedule is released in June for September onward. Um, and by the time we end up playing Edmonton and hopefully a, an event in the fall or two, it's going to end up being eight or nine. And I know at the end of last year, like we were pretty burnt out. We flew to China or Malaysia, China, Asia in general, three different times just on a week and back. Uh, and you know, Mike's got the kid now and other life pressures. And it's, uh, we were just kind of full tilt last year, fully on the gas. And this year I think we've learned, we learned from that. And this year we're kind of retracting that. And to your point about points and money, Dallas, it's not too much about money. If you're, if you're all in it, like you'll find the money to do it and you'll hopefully be qualifying a little bit and making some money back on it. But uh, a lot of people don't play the point system the best of their ability. Um, what's new in the past two years, I believe is it's your best four of six counts for entry and seating points versus uh, it used to be six of eight. Um, so with that smaller window of revolving tournaments for entry and seating, uh, teams can drop a very good result quicker than they used than they used to be able to. So a lot of you'll see a lot of teams this year. Um, I mean, it happened in Warsaw, it happened in Ostrava. Will pull out the week or two before a tournament because they realize that they they're dropping two very or one very good result right before entry. Uh, points come out for a bigger tournament down the line. Right. For example, Stad Five Star. There's a bunch of teams that pulled out of Warsaw because they realized if they didn't get a fifth or higher and match the point total that they'd be dropping as the next result, then they'd be in contention for maybe being on the qualifier versus the main draw kind of thing. So um, most teams, especially main draw teams, more experienced, will use this to their advantage and spot pick their tournaments where they want to do well. Um, and you know, with the five stars being actually worth six star value points and world champs being worth eight star value points, um, what you really have to avoid is in these four stars, which are the same quality as five stars and world champs is playing too many in a row before another major comes up. 
because the, another, the major series are where you can get those big extra points, and then they can sustain you throughout the next three or four. But if you play six four-stars in a row, right, and you get ninth-place finishes, let's say, which is still top of the pack, you're averaging 200 as a team, which means 1,600 total for your four results, which wouldn't put you in the main draw anymore. Right. Right? So that that is the new standard if there's only four stars, but teams burn themselves out on too many four stars, and now their entry points are dropping a lot. And they're actually not, they don't have enough points to get into to main draws now because other teams are hanging on to their Continental Cup stuff. Um, I know the Asia um, finals just went down. Um, ours is at the end of the year kind of thing. So people have big results, 300 plus results from these events. And that's keeping them at higher points than teams that are consistently actually playing and getting ninths and fifths kind of thing on the four stars. Um, so you got to be careful. I look at entry rankings and. Like a team like Doppler Vars, steady team, been around 10th in the main draw. They always do well in Vienna and the Austria events. But currently, they're 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 sub 1500 points, which is crazy. Um, they've been getting you know a 25th, a 17th, and the odd ninth. But that's actually dropping the meta contention of the main draw now. So I'm sorry to ramble about all this, but no, no, no. It's really informative, and I'm glad you uh, yeah. you obviously have the brain that uh that's needed for sort of mapping out your events speaking of doppler horse they just won a gold medal on the fivv world tour at the one star they did they won the bottom they, they won were, the bottom i'm not surprised they're uh definitely the favorites there it's almost um, like they made it for them <laughs> well it's good for sponsors and all that right it was actually a pretty loaded one star tournament because it doesn't hurt you it's just a continental event so it only counts if it helps you kind of thing so yeah. we played it and uh i mean those guys should be winning that tournament, even with the with the good European teams there and everything. But um, oh my god, what a one star tournament! Did you see the venue and all the stuff? Yeah, was wild. I uh, I just played a thousand, three thousand people at center court at a one star. Yeah, the, the the one star in Brazil that I played in was similar to that, but not nearly sort of as big of a scale. But it was slammed, which is awesome to see, even at a one star event. Yeah. Yeah, I think the plan for them, I think they just hosted like U20 CEVs or they had some event there and I guess the promoter decided to leave the venue up, which I think is a great idea for promoters to kind of get the most out of those events. I think if, if Canada was to do it, I think multiple events in a row would make the most sense. Yeah. Um, I'm creating my own segue here because you've been lucky enough to play in Canada a couple times. You were one of the lucky guys who got into the Quebec event in a country quota with uh, Sam Pedlow, I think you played sure. with, right? Oh my god, yeah, that was a <laughs> and, while ago. And you also played that, in Halifax, so what are you looking forward to, I guess, playing in, in Edmonton? Uh, actually, who was your partner in Halifax? I, I can't remember. <laughs> wasn't, uh, wasn't Dal, I was Grant. Dal was playing with Garrett. Oh, okay, shoot. But uh, who was your partner in Poland? Well, uh, Dallas was my partner in Poland. And how did oh, we do in Poland? <laughs> Not very good. <laughs> um, so what are you looking forward to playing in, on home soil again? This will be... Yeah, uh, well, Quebec was that was a while ago. That was kind of like a shell shock environment, going from OVA Saturdays at the beach, and all of a sudden you're on this like massive venue with side courts, and everything's more official. And you know, when you when you go out of the OVA and you play on the international events, like all of a sudden the court feels a bit smaller and the net feels a bit higher, and all these other things, right? So, um, experience-wise, there it wasn't like playing in front of a home crowd because we just played one CQ match. Um, and it's in Quebec, side, so it's in a different country. And on a Tuesday, right? And what? I said, and it's in Quebec, so it's in a different country. Right. And, well, <laughs> not yet. Soon to be, maybe, you know. Um, but, you know, you didn't, I didn't really get that home experience. Uh, it was it was a travel, but it wasn't like something 
you know, it, it wasn't noteworthy in terms of experience playing at home kind of thing. And uh, I think the tournament ended up turning out okay. Like, center court was pretty massive once they got it going. And I know Sam was playing with Mav at the time. And I think Ben maybe might have been there. I'm not sure. can't even remember. It was like 2010 or 2011? I think it was 2011. Um, I can't remember, but um, Halifax was a bit different. Um, still at the youth level, under 21s when we were, I think, 19 or 20. Um, definitely, definitely gives you a bit of an edge. I know you watch Perusik and Schweiner the other weekend in Ostrava. You know, got the guy, the Czech guy, the Czech touch team who has that sometimes at next level. But watching them play on that home turf and watching the energy from the crowd, just like. It, it makes you. It just somehow makes you a better player. Like Doppler Horse playing at World Champs, it was just you. They couldn't miss, kind of thing, right? It gives you that kind of extra energy. So uh, I'm hoping the crowd and the energy in Edmonton is something of the sort because I hope our match or all of our matches should be on center court. Um, but uh, no, at the end of the day, it can be a distraction to keep in mind. Um, a lot of family and friends around, and people want to you know take pictures of you and autographs versus a regular FIVB where. You're kind of doing your own thing. No one's really pulling at you for your time. So you got to kind of manage it that way. And I know we don't have a lot of experience with that because we don't host a lot of events. But um, definitely looking forward to it. I know I have some fans. My parents will be coming out as well, the way from Miami. And uh, I know with the One Volleyball League, their finals are happening on that weekend as well from the, the East and the West meeting up and playing a finals match. So um, definitely looking forward to it. Had it marked on the calendar as soon as that, uh, that was released last fall. Um, and, uh, yeah, just hope it's like kind of electric kind of thing and I don't know how big the stadium's going to be or anything but just I hope the fan engagement's there and they're just cheering for good volleyball for the most part yeah super best friend of the show Ben Saxon talked about how he is really excited to have that sort of environment obviously going to school in Edmonton being from Alberta do you think you're going to get the same sort of reception um, being from the GTA even out in Edmonton I mean, I hope so, unless we're playing Ben. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think the volleyball community is pretty tight knit as a whole, and all they'll for sure be cheering for Ben and for those people who are still associated with Ben and people from out there. Um, I think it's just great for the sport as a whole to be playing to be played in Canada, and for those fans to get to experience that. Uh, so how many times have you played in the Van Open? And to you, is that probably the best domestic tournament we have right now? Uh, for sure, by far, the best domestic tournament we have by, uh, by far. Uh, it's fantastic. It's, uh, I mean, you know, there's always some things that could be better, right? But for a two-day tournament on a weekend, uh, Kitts Beach, which is gorgeous. They got the center court going. Um, last year was amazing. They had uh, two down refs. Sorry, they had a ref for every match. So you didn't have to like self-ref or anything. You could you had to do score or whatever, but they had a ref for every match. Um, and they they changed it from double in. They changed it to like the same as FIVB. So modified pool play, round one, round two, and then quarter semis finals. So it ended up being three matches a day, like Saturday Sunday, which is like you know still a lot, but it's not outrageous for a two day event. Um, and it's just it's just crazy down there. There's during the weekend, it's packed full of people. I think the stadium was oh, maybe 500 people, and plus the beer garden on the side, uh, which gets wild on Saturday afternoon and Sunday. Um, yeah, it just it just brought a lot of people out. It's it gives you a sense of community there, and they've they got that big sponsor. I forget what the sponsor was out there. Any idea, Dollar or Josh? Um, they brought in a bunch of money, and they put it towards building the stadium and. Um, 
big, some pretty big prize money for a weekend tournament, seven grand for the winner, which is, you know, nothing, not to bat an eye at that. So I look forward to playing out there. It's a great weekend. I can see my buddies from Vancouver and uh, play in front of them as well. Yeah, shoot, you're right. We should know the sponsor because they, they definitely, they made uh, a great event even better, right? Because now there's a screen, there's bleachers, there's more prize money. But yeah, I can't think of it off the top of my head. It's funny because I heard that same sponsor is looking to invest in a podcast. So <laughs> I uh, I think we should know the name. I know that Dunbar Cycles was a big sponsor of theirs. Yeah, um, uh, I know that a lot of like um, BC-based companies like Sunripe, and uh, Lulu and, and other companies like that have gotten involved with them. There's one more. Um, but I don't remember who the title sponsor was. Uh, I didn't play in the Van Open last year. I was, uh, I think I was in Quebec playing uh, a Grand Slam event out there. But I think you're right. I think the Van Open is definitely the best, uh, best domestic event in terms of um, level, in terms of fan engagement, in terms of you know, execution with the jerseys and with the fans and with the players and, you know, the, uh, the atmosphere, I definitely think everything else is, uh, is second to the Van Open. For sure. And I don't know what the Grand Slam will bring in a week and a half or, you know, even provincials here gets a bit rocking, but at the organizational level there, it's just, it's really, it's really well done. There's not, a, there's not a doubt at any time during the weekend, kind of what's going on and who's doing what. I just looked up that sponsor, by the way, Natura. Natura, yeah, thank you. Yeah, yes. I hear they yeah. got a good market for a podcast. Presented by, so you may want to drop a <laughs> drop a line to them. Um, but you talked about this earlier, just to sort of go full circle. You mentioned the one league, um, and we talked about this with super best friend of the show, Ben Saxon, last week. Um, you actually own. Uh, a team in the Toronto One League. Why don't you tell us how that got started and what your involvement is uh, currently with them? Yeah, it's, I mean, for those who haven't heard of the One Wobble League, it's a league that started a few years ago now. I think we're in year three. It's just a summer league. It's about eight weeks long, comprised of just some um, genuine, just some just from general games, uh, just six matches, two against each team, kind of thing over the season, and semis and finals. And it was just kind of the idea, of, uh, Jackie and Joe, to bring together kind of like a, a pro league that hopefully over time would build up some money and start paying some players and kind of have a bridge for athletes who from the OUA or the OCAA who are in between playing pro or coming back for the summer kind of thing. And it's turned into a pretty good high quality uh, league uh, that's now in year three running out of now the GTA. It used to be just Kerr Hall or Mattamy uh, in, at Ryerson, downtown Toronto, but we're trying to move the product around and get it to other parts of the GTA and uh, get more demographics involved that way. So we'll see and we'll really evaluate at the end of this year kind of if it worked, if it didn't work and uh, what the best course of action is kind of thing. But uh, yeah, it's been, it was a passion project initially, right? It was just like, oh, this will be fun kind of thing. I was super excited about the live draft and, you know, drafting potential players and making super teams of all these XOUA and pro players kind of things. So um, it, it's, it's really quite the scene. It's turned into kind of like a this cult and kind of family kind of ordeal where um, all the all the volleyball people community are now getting together again, and it, it became a platform for them to express themselves and talk with one another and socialize and all these things. So it's been really good for the sport. I think it's been good for the youth who have been involved or know of it through you know the provincial championships, the four weekends at Rip Park and. And all that, I think it's been really good for the youth. And I know a lot of youth players now look up and have role models for 
you know, themselves in volleyball and moving forward. So um, it's been really good. And, you know, slowly but surely, a few sponsorships here and there, rolling in kind of thing to help get the league off the ground. And, or my team specifically, with me owning a team, it's it's not really too much hands-on. I did coach it year one, and after that I said, no way. I'm just too busy with Beach and too many filling coaches. So I just, I just run the infrastructure and, let's say, the day-to-day behind it, just make sure, you know, everything's evolved. Got Wayne Wilkins on board, the Humber coach, as my coach this season, and locking down gym space, and just making sure everything runs smoothly uh, for the most part. And I just show up to matches and cheer on the team, and uh, you know, just be a part of the community. So, how did you? What was the thought process for you in terms of why did you decide to get involved, and why did you decide to to buy a team? <sighs> um. Uh, Tough question. <laughs> As I said, it, it was merely just a passion project when I started. I was like, a you know passion what? project this, for you, right? For me, this, okay. you know, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to make this is year one. Like for the cost, it's not a huge cost to incur to, to to see what happens. Essentially, you know, I had the money. I was I just came off working a little bit at investors group, and I was like, you know what? Let let's see what happens here, and let's spin my tires in the mud and see how far we can go, kind of thing. So you know, year one rolls around and put in some money and I got a bit of sponsorship money and I, you know, let's say I didn't lose a lot. I didn't lose a lot of money, just my time on organizing gym spaces and all that stuff. Um, had a great experience. Um, so I was, you know, happy to come back for round two and more, more of the same. And then, you know, from a business perspective, we're like, okay, we got to make some changes kind of thing. We're going to, you know, we got to grow this thing a bit more. Um, and then year three, same thing. We're super fired up, you know, some new changes going in, going in, um, you know, we we're experiencing some athletes are coming and going. Some athletes have long pro seasons and their bodies are banged up, or they're getting contracts in California or stuff for the summer, or whatnot. So it's a bit of a revolving door that way. But um, it's just it's just been another thing in the volleyball world that I that for me to be a part of. Uh, for I went when I since I went full time beach since the OUA at uh, Queen specifically, uh, just kind of just kept my foot in the door and on that side of things. And I just like to be involved in the growth of volleyball community in general and uh, not only provincially, but domestically as well. You mentioned like how high level the league is. Is there any player that you've been really impressed with over the last uh, couple of years, like just being able to see them live every week? I mean, there there's a bunch of... Um, there was a bunch of top players in the league, in my opinion, for the past, especially in year one and year two. I mean, Steve, I had never really seen Steve Hunt play uh, until year one, for the most part. And I was like, oh, shit, like, you know, you could you can really tell, like, there's, there's guys that can hit the ball hard and do all these good things. And then there's players that have a bit more of that next level where the IQ is a bit higher, the contacts are a bit better, the positioning is a bit better, leadership skills, whatever it is, right, is just better than everyone else's um and it, sh- and it shows on the court when they win back-to-back titles and you know he doesn't play for half the season and then shows up in the playoffs and absolutely dominates with probably you know 25 points in four sets kind of thing just like out of this world kind of thing um you know ray zito is also up in that category too he's got the ability to take over games i think he had 35 points in his last match in uh, the california league he was playing in he, it was actually unbelievable. He had like 27, 27 kills on 45 swings and two errors or something. Um, so he's one of those players as well that has that ability. And funny fun fact, he never played prep volleyball. He just went straight to York University from Sutton High School. Um, Sutton District High Sutton School. District, <laughs> Sutton District High School. Straight to York University, played for Wally, and now you know, he's 
pretty good indoor player, which is really crazy. So Former I roommate of friend of the show and co-host Alex Key. Exactly. So um, I guess the other two notables from that draft were Taylor Hunt as well, an purely exceptional player. He had really good skills and ability to you know really take over matches. And, you know, Jory Mantha, I know people know of him, uh, Ottawa boy, played for the Mavs, you know, when he, when he's got it going too, he's not an overly tall guy, I think he's only 6'2", 6'3", but he definitely gets up there and knows how to put balls away and uh, kind of led his team year one and year two, so um, those were kind of, I guess, kind of four superstars, I think, that were, oh, and obviously can't forget Terrell, can't forget the way Terrell uh, plays offensively, especially at his net play in offense is uh, extremely, extremely good. I mean, he does touch over 12 feet. I think he touched 12-1 two months ago at the Athlete Showcase on uh, a nonchalant jump for the most part. Um, so when you're, when you're touching that high, yeah, definitely makes things a lot easier. It's also cool to see that a lot of these guys are using that platform to elevate themselves. You talked about how all these guys are, are obviously doing really well on, on their pro contracts. And to mention another friend of the show, Joey Jarvis, who was on your team, used his performance in the one league to sort of parlay a Team Canada tryout, and now he's with the full-time training set. Yeah, I was, I was actually going to mention him. I'm glad you brought him up. This kid was like 20 years old when I first saw him in 2017 at the very first one Premier League Challenger tournament in Scarborough Pan Am Center. This guy was... He was doing it all, and I, I was like, who is this guy? I've never heard of him. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's Joey. I'm like, how old is he? He's 20. Oh, okay. So I went and talked to the guy, super nice guy down to earth, um, picked him up as um, like third third round, third or fourth round, and year one, and everyone's like, huh, like, who is that kind of thing? I mean, he's been a steady starter. He's about 6'4", 6'5", jumps extremely well, has actually the ball skills that you wouldn't see out of someone who really hasn't played a lot of rep volleyball or has had a lot of coaching kind of thing, um, and he was one of my studs last year on my team offensively, and just all around, and turns out he shows up to the national team tryout and makes the B team this summer. So, um, couldn't be more thrilled for him. Like, super excited to see that this league has really brought up his his equity, so to speak, and his overall uh, game. And all the best for him moving forward. We're sad to see him go. Obviously, it was going to be one of my keeper picks, bring him back to the team this year. But um, I think there's bigger and brighter things ahead for him, and he's super young. And watch out for that name down the road if you're a volleyball Canada fan. Uh, so just kind of switching gears here a little bit, you, uh, you've you played in the McCovey games twice, I think you were an indoor player and then beach last time. Uh, do you think that multi-sport games is going to be a good experience if you guys are the team to go to Pan Am? Uh, yes, in terms of, I, for myself, I understand the kind of distractions and everything that comes with the multi-sport game. Um, it's, it's unlike, you know, a normal tour event or any other event you go to because, you know, the opening ceremonies and the sightseeing tours and this media thing and that media thing and I want to go watch other sports do this and blah 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 right so you kind of have to focus on yourself and do what's best for you as a team um, but uh, yeah I don't know if I, for Mike for Mike if we ended up going I don't know if he's been to really any um, I think OS I would consider OSGs as one that I've also been to and he went to Fisu in Shanghai Fisu, right yeah. so he's kind of has a deal about it I think I think I'm not really sure what the level from Pan Ams to these other multi-sport events we've been to. I think it'll be obviously a bit bigger and more kind of like a little bit overwhelming. I think what you'll notice the biggest thing is that actually 
on the volleyball side. Um, I've watched when we watched the Commonwealth Games uh, when Sam and Sam were there and the Mel and Sarah and when even when Josh and Sam were playing Pan Ams in Toronto. Um, it just has that bit more of like a, a next level feel to it, and I think the teams that win or perform the best are able to adapt to that different sort of pressure. Um, I, I really don't know how to explain this different sort of pressure that the, the multi-sport games kind of brings. Um, I'm watching Sam's and Commonwealth and. I don't think by far it was their best kind of in terms of just performance um, overall. It just it's, there was there was a feel to it that felt like you know there was something inhibiting them from feeling like they were fully free and fully playing to their best ability kind of thing. So I don't know what that feels like, um, and I'm curious what it. Well, other than Maccabi a little bit, but I think the Pan Ams would be that next level, and I'm curious what it feels like and how we're going to react kind of from pool from pool play day one. That's uh, that's a good point. There's a lot of sort of uh, unknowns that happen with multi-sport games in terms of the the media and the hype and um, just the whole atmosphere of having all those different sports going on at uh, at once. Is there one sport in particular you want to take a look at, or do you know any other athletes um, being involved in the Canadian Sport Institute that you know are going to go to Pan Ams that you're you know, you've made friends with and you want to go and watch or support? Uh, I don't. I don't know if any names are actually official for any of the panel sports to start with, but um, a few of them have, have come out actually. The wrestlers, oh. um, the gym, the gymnasts, uh, a few, a few of the larger teams have, have come out. I think Beach Oil yeah. was actually one of the last uh, oh, okay. teams. Okay, their, their process is done. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I haven't really marked anything down, and I, don't, I haven't really seen many schedules. I, um, and. For, in terms of that, I know there's two different phases. There's like the first 10 days and the second 10 days. So um, I don't think we'd even be there for the full time. But I think um, I would definitely want to check out the wheelchair basketball if um, – actually, I don't know if that will overlap actually with the, the Pan Ams. Uh, but that was something if I'm around, I would, li- I would like to see live for sure. Um, and also I think archery. I think is uh, something I'd be interested in, in looking at. Um, I watched a bit of – what was this, uh, Invictus Games uh, back in, was it spring of last year or fall of last year? Fall of last year, I watched year, up yeah. the archery down at Fort York, um, and it was pretty wild. They had like 30 rows lined up and targets, and they had people swapping in and out and different timings and different lengths and stuff. I was like, holy crap, this is actually pretty crazy. Um, that, that To me, that's a crazy sport. It's like golf kind of thing because it all comes down to just the one contact. One contact, and that's kind of make or break your score, kind of thing. So, just the level of detail in terms of focus and awareness going into, you know, every single, you know, uh, program or routine or touch on the ball or wherever it is is pretty wild to me. So, um, depending on where space, like things are spaced out around venues and everything, I'll definitely be looking at um, going to watch. For sure, and uh, hopefully this isn't uh, wasted, and you you end up being the team that's nominated. Yeah, well, uh, our process is over. Uh, we have we have five days left, uh, but it's just looking good at the moment. So knock on wood. Uh, but you'll know probably in a week today or so. I guess. Yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully when this is released, we'll ha- we'll know and we'll be able to add in uh, that we broke the story first. Hey, if you want, uh, you know, I can put past some dimes on my pants or something. Yeah, I'd love that. We can talk about some sponsorship money flowing this way and some. No one is gonna, no one is gonna serve you if you have passing dimes on your shorts. Around the butt. 
Yeah, <laughs> and, and we're actually going to have our uh, our second podcast set in butter, and that's going to be on your other leg. Oh yeah, set in butter. That's a good one. There you go. <laughs> Getting the hang of this. Uh, sister channel. It's my sister channel, set in yeah. butter. <laughs> Uh, Aaron, I did want to touch on some of your youth stuff. Um, you used to train with, I guess, what was it called? Uh, Elite Beach Volleyball Club, where you and Grant were there, and I think O'Neill wow. and Felipe and Poldma and Dallas yeah. was there. Um, yeah. So you guys were the qualifier team for your first Youth Worlds, I think, and you guys ended up riding the wave to a ninth, I think, right? Is that kind of the first time you thought that you could be like a professional beach volleyball player? Was that summer? That's, that's really impressive, Josh, that you can dig that up and come up with that. You're absolutely correct. We did get a ninth. Yes. Um, and uh, next thing you know, we're on a plane, we're in Porto, training a little bit, and it's it's quality day. We're like, we don't even know what this is about. We've never seen it before. We've never been in a single elimination environment. Like, we don't even know what this is. So I think that actually worked out to our advantage because we weren't kind of starstruck by it. We weren't in our heads about it. We were just killed kids at that point. I can show you the video, skinny six-foot kids out on the beach just having a good time, essentially. So, yeah, we went through the qualifier day. Uh, it was three matches, so I guess they kind of miscalculated the number of teams that were showing up. We had three matches, I think Slovenia, USA, and Latvia, two of the two of those which went to three sets, uh, qualified, and ended up winning our pool, uh, Spain, New Zealand, and I can't remember the third team. Uh, and then we lost round two uh, to Russian team who ended up getting second at the tournament. <laughs> they got a silver medal. They beat Garrett and Nick in the semi as well. So that was like our first kind of like, whoa, wow, like are we really kind of actually this good and on a world standard kind of thing. Um, and at that time, playing under 19s, you can get away with things. And even under 21s, which we've proven, um, you don't have to be as big, especially on the beach, to you know have success. And I think a lot of youth athletes that are playing now or people, men on that are my size on the beach or the ladies, I know there's a lot of excellent women defenders out there. Um, Heather's one of them who's, you know, one defender of the year multiple times. She's not a tall player at all kind of thing that are really, you know, getting it done on the world tour, so the international stage. So um, that was definitely a great experience going back and, and going back a year later to under-19s and winning bronze in Croatia was, I guess, our next stepping stone as well. Look at the memory on this guy. He can tell you who was in his pool, like who was in the quality. Wow. I got a man. I got so many things up here. It's actually wild. The facts that I store up in this brain. Is it's not it's crazy to think that you're a, a skinny six foot kid back then, and compared to a, a skinny six foot two kid right now. Hey. <laughs> Watch. You want to arm wrestle later? Let me know. <laughs> No, I've progressed. I put on to like twenty pounds. I was like six one one sixty. Man, I was a fluff pole. You heard it here first. Aaron Nussbaum, self-proclaimed 200 pounds. No, no, no. I know we don't need to talk about weight, but yeah, I, I was a bit of a pipe cleaner, so to speak. <laughs> but uh, we were quicker on the court, Grant and I, I'll tell you that. Um, that's great, and you've obviously, you know, you've turned that success and, and those, uh, you know, the, the top 10 finishes into, into two medals, and it seems that Croatia is uh, the country you do best in, obviously having a bronze and a, and a silver medal at, at two world uh, world championships there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, thanks for your time with us on this, and uh, the way we sort of like to wrap things up here is... Uh, Either your fondest memory or the sort of the, the craziest experience you've had in uh, in your beach volleyball career, obviously being able to travel the world, you get to be put into some pretty uh, 
we'll call, call it gnarly circumstances. So can you share uh, sort of your pedigree for the, the wildest experience you've had on, uh, on tour? Man, you're putting me on the spot here. You couldn't have told me this earlier. and It's the way we roll on Passing Dimes. Maybe if you want to come on set and butter, right. you'll be prepped a little bit more. <laughs> I've honestly never had anything that's like been like when I was listening to yours, Dallas, in Brazil, where you guys got pulled over and thought you were getting robbed. Like I've never truly had that experience uh, on the road. And, well, you know, it's not really something you want. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, and then I like no, not again. Knock on wood. It's I've never really felt like in a place where you know, or a time of day, or time, you know, it is at that I, I've been scared or something has happened that you know I'm kind of shaking over. Um, you know, I know this year when we got to Brazil, we got to Brazil. I've, people were saying bad things about Brazil late at night and all these things, and the city we were in, I heard was okay, but you know, we we landed at nine o'clock and we got thrown out of the shuttle, and all of a sudden we're at the side of the road. And it's pitch dark out, and we're trying to message an Airbnb host, trying to like find keys. And I, I was super nervous. I was like, 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 I flick on my data because I had it on airplane mode, and I was like, I'm calling an Uber. Like, we gotta get, we gotta get the hell out of here, kind of thing. And we're staying on the road for ten minutes. Cars driving by, people walking by. It, it nothing happened. It was just, it was a really kind of scary feeling to me. I don't know why. Maybe it was on my head about it, but um, no. I, I mean, there's, there's nothing out on the tour that I think that well can't be managed but if you want a funny story i can tell you about dallas and i in poland in uh, 2000 and oh my god what year was it this i can't remember see i can't remember Two, years I've, i'm gonna this was 2014 yeah we could talk about this right i mean you don't have to go into crazy details but yeah you can... oh, oh let me go into detail okay <laughs> so we so we go we go to poland for under 23s we're can two we're in the qualifier we got absolutely destroyed by russia all right whatever move on right the tournament wasn't full. This was the year they were running a 48 team or, or a 45 team draw. I can't remember. And they were running pools of five. So naturally, the main draw wasn't full. So all the people that were lost round two got direct entry. And they started doing draws based on points for who got into the main draw. So sure enough, it comes down to one spot. It's if this African team doesn't show up tomorrow, which was in all likelihood not going to show up if they're not at the tech meeting, you're just going to replace them and you'll be them. You'll you'll be replacing the tournament. So it turns out it's down to us and another Polish team who's hosting. And, of course, Poland gets drawn. So, you know what? Screw us, right? Like, you don't win. That's what happens. So we're out. And uh, I think Denise Wooding and Charlotte Sider were the other women's team who didn't qualify. So we're like, all right, let's 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 get out of here. Let's go out. we got to go find something to do, right? So we walk into town about 10 minutes. So what, what town were we? Mislovice? Mislovice. Mislovice. Sorry if I pronounced pronounce that wrong. Uh, and we just head into town for basically dollar beers. Dollars Los Lotties, what are they called? Lodi, it? yeah. It was like 33 Lodi? cent beers. It was like, it literally was like a dollar maybe for a massive, you know, pints of beer. So, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're going for it. And it ends up, we're there for a while. It's late at night. We start walking home. And, uh, you know, naturally we got to go to the washroom. So there's a big porta potty on the side of the road. And so Dallas jumps in there. I'm okay. I'm waiting. The girls are going, whatever. Dallas comes out and he's, he gives me this look. I'm like, okay, like, well, you know, what'd you do? He's like, come in here for a second. I'm like, okay. So I go in the porta potty. It's actually a big porta potty. It's like a, a handicap one. It was like a massive door and you could fit two people in it. And I'm like, yeah, what's the matter? He's like, see, he, so you see in there? I'm like, no. He's like, drop my phone. <laughs> dropped his phone I'm like, <laughs> i look at him i'm like okay he's like what do i do i'm like how bad do you want the phone <laughs> like 
I'm like, he's like, what would you do? I was like, me, I need my phone. He goes, okay, full on, reaches in, must have been up to his elbow. He's fishing around for a few seconds, pulls it out. <laughs> I'm just in tears. I run out, I'm just in tears crying on the street. The girls are like, what is going on? I can't even tell them without peeing my pants. And they start like screaming and like running away. And uh, yeah, so this guy didn't have a great spelling arm for our, our walk home. Uh, Ditched the otter box and the phone was good to go. And uh, we'll leave it at that. But you know, it, it just shows if you if you really want something bad enough, you'll make it happen. So while why you were you know on your phone while you were taking a whiz and ended up dropping <laughs> in at two o'clock at night, hey, that's on you. But you want something that bad, I guess you got to go dig in and get it. <laughs> I mean, the things you learn in beach volleyball, you can use in life, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> like, holy schmoly. And I won't talk about the other part of that walk home, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember the other part of the walk home. That's okay. Uh, that's okay. But no, it was it was a consolation kind of memory for uh, the result that we had in Poland. But, um, you know, that's the way it is out on the tour. You, uh, you lose more than you win, as a wise man once told me. We had a shitty time, is what you're trying to say. Yeah, we had a shitty time, and I basically oh, should have left, messed my flight the next day, but that's okay. I made it, somehow. Somehow. Well, Aaron, on that note, it was good to have you on, and uh, we're rooting for you for the rest of the year, and, and hopefully you guys get that uh, that spot in Lima. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me, and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll know next week, and super fired up if it happens. Uh, look out for us, hopefully, and improved. Awesome. Awesome. All right, talk to you soon. Okay, guys, later. See ya. Thanks, Aaron. Bye. Special thanks to Aaron Nossbaum for joining the show. We can't wait to see who will earn the Pan Am Games nomination next week. Thanks to you, the listeners, Passing Dimes was named on the Top 15 Volleyball Podcast by Feedspot. Shout out to friends of the show from the first chair who also made the list and ranked slightly higher than us. If you haven't already, please check out previous episodes like Super Best Friend of the Show, Ben Saxton, Friends of the Show, Mark Wilson, Seymour and Jody Z, Jesse Elser, Autumn Bailey, Becky Pavin, Jake McNeil, and Eric Matheson. And now, back to Passing Dimes. Woohoo, go Raptors! Beauty, thanks to Aaron Nussbaum uh, for giving us a great interview. So we'll keep an eye on everything he's up to. Obviously, Pan Am is, is the big watch. Uh, but one volleyball league is heating up, and uh, it's neat that they're doing a finals in East versus West. That's going to be great, and that it's tied in with the Edmonton event. I think that just makes it a, a volleyball palooza this July in, in Edmonton. Yeah, it was a little disheartening to hear that they weren't going to play the the uh, the finals in Brandon, Manitoba, which was the equilibrium point between the East and the West, but this will have to do. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. Um, Couple, oh, oh, um, um, okay. um, yeah, a uh, couple updates. Uh, Canada on the indoor side uh, goes two and one again. It looked like Ottawa had a great crowd. We talked about how well they did last year. I think they've they've outdone themselves with the with the organizing committee, the amount of people who attended, the volunteers, everything that goes into it. And uh, Canada didn't pull any punches. That was that was a big boy roster. That wasn't the same roster we saw the first weekend. No, they brought their guns out, but like, I don't know. I I don't want to be the 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 downer on this but it they they did what they they did what they needed to do and you know they're staying steady so they uh they bring their big guns out and they stay consistent and 
they, uh, you know, they're a very, very good team, and all the credit to all the guys on that team. But uh, to play devil's advocate, they're just they're doing what they need to do. They haven't uh, they haven't really gone above what they need or what they can do. They're winning games. They should be winning. If they would have beat Serbia in five, there, you, you think you have a different opinion right now? I think so. I think if they, I think that was a, that was the possibility of a statement game, especially to win uh, to win on home soil. I mean, granted, you win five six matches in a row, you can't take that away from anybody, obviously. Um, but I look at I look at their roster. I look at other rosters. They're they're supposed to win. This isn't a team Canada that is limping into Norseka's, limping into World League like. They're good, so you expect them to be good. They're good. Fair enough. Yeah, I think it shows how spoiled we are on the indoor side. We've touched touched on this on the beach side where we get a, a fifth or a ninth, and it's kind of like, yeah, par for the course where you're right, the indoor team goes two and one. That's awesome where I, I, I think you'd be pretty young in these days, but there was times where we missed World League when it was still called World League. Like in the, in the Paul Durden era, it was special when we were still in World League, but now the the indoor team's top ranked, and they're they're going for it all the time, right? Yeah, so. it's you know obviously Norseka's a little bit deeper on the indoor side than it is on the beach side with uh, with the states and with Cuba having really good teams. So, I mean, it's not a slam dunk to have them in the Olympics, but they're good. So expect them to be good. Nice, nice. Uh, the women's side is announced. They've got an exhibition match with the USA, which is maybe a nice in from head coach Tom Black being an American. He's, he's got some in, so. Good, good competition leading into the, uh, the the qualify for them, and hopefully they can look sharp in that one. Yeah, I think it's a good measuring point. It'll it'll be interesting to see what USA team they put out there. Um, if they do their Olympic roster, I think it's a good measuring point for for the Canadian girls to see where they line up. Um, you know, they're you know we had Autumn on here before talking about what they're doing in their preparations out in uh, Victoria. So it'll be good to see. It's good to see that they won against Mexico again. No real surprise there. I think they, they did what they needed to do, and they won, and and that's about it. <laughs> uh, on the beach side, we got Warsaw here. So Ben and Grant are in the main draw. Heather that's and it. Brandy are there. Yeah. They're in the main draw as well. And uh, on the women's side for Pan Am, very evaluation friendly. Taylor and Sophie, you qualify, you're in. You don't? You're not. You're, you're not. So it, I think that's... That's all we can ask for this time. We've talked about the race since we kind of learned about the qualification, and we've been talking about this since passing time started. But uh, exciting finish to both the men's and women's side of Pan Am. And, and you know what? No matter what, we're going to send a team who's battle-tested and ready to go. Yeah, I think so. And, uh, I mean, what better but what better way do you want to not subjectively be in a tournament? If you win, you're in. If you lose, you're not. Now go and do it. I think that's the best course of action. And I'm not here rooting for any particular team in the Pan Am, but obviously... Um, Taylor and Sophie have a lot of international experience, and I think they uh, they would for sure be a medal threat in the Pan Ams. Definitely, definitely. And uh, we got an Orsica to talk about. Darby yeah. Dunn and Devin May, podium gold medalist in La Paz, Mexico. Nice. Out of left field. Uh, congratulations to those two girls. Uh, obviously, super best friend of the show, Ben Saxton with the Wico Bevo Beach Volleyball program out there supporting them. So it's great to see that uh, that Wico essentially helped uh, help those girls with uh, with their performance. And former partner of mine, Devin Dunn, sister Darby, putting up big numbers at uh, Stetson University, being an, uh, an All-American there. And 
and uh, qualifying for nationals with the NCAA. It's it's awesome to see such a good family. Um, and Darby, I mean, kick ass, awesome job. Yeah, uh, coaches at Side Out, so another connection to a friend of the show, Seymour, there. So the, they're showing that they're doing great things in that BC community. And I love the prize, the sombreros. That was just a nice touch uh, for the podium shots. Uh, good for them. I mean, kind of stereotypical. No. It's a good gift. It's a good I don't gift. know. Are we going to give them a bottle of maple syrup if they win in Edmonton? I bet you we are. <laughs> you got to give a, a prize with a little local favor. But that, uh, that's here's good. your beaver tail and gold medal made out of chocolate. And uh, uh, Iris Fletcher and Abby Thorpe finished six at their first Narsika. They are Canada 2, I believe, at the U21. So good for them to get the nomination to go and get some international experience before U21 on the women's side. Yeah, I think that's a good stepping stone for them. Obviously, you know, at any age group world championships for a lot of these teams, it's their first exposure to international beach volleyball. Aaron obviously talked about it um, sometime being an advantage, but I think if you know what to expect with an international event, you uh, you come in a little more clear-minded of what you need to do uh, to better prepare yourself to play. Definitely in the guys, uh, two top tens, so Liam and Gabe finished 10th. And is this Matt Donovan's first international tournament? First international tournament. And he, he, he takes a fourth. Like, he's in the semis of a, of a tournament yeah. in his first international, so good for him and Theodore. Ooh, I'm going to try, buddy. Kazumiyaka? Yeah, you nailed it. Uh, i got to work on my Russian, my Belarusian. Your Belarusian. That, uh, that was Bella terrific, though. <laughs> but congrats to those guys. Hopefully a big season ahead now that uh, Matt graduated from Dalhousie. And I think Fido's still working on his PhD, but obviously is making time for some, some of these summer schedules. So Dr. Smash is what we have to call him on tour. Oh, that's a good nickname. I wasn't always on board with the Ray Sewell one, but that Fido one, I'm, I'm on board with right away. Dr. Smash. That's, I'm in. Uh, awesome. So I think we got some local flavor coming up. So I think the OVA Grand Slam uh, or the Quebec event, there's going to be some national teams home for those. And Aaron hinted that he's going to the Van Open. I think there's other national teams. So finally some chances for Canadian fans to see our top teams on home soil just because there's a bit of a, I wouldn't say a lull in the international schedule. Just there's a bunch of four and five stars that maybe our next gen teams aren't going to go to. So they're going to play on home soil and it's, it's going to be great for anybody who's at their local beach to see a great tournament. We will be at the OVA Grand Slam. So don't be afraid to, uh, to come check us out and uh, give us your opinions on the show. Obviously, if you like what you hear, be sure to download us on, uh, on Podbeam and subscribe to us on YouTube and follow us on Instagram at Pass and Dimes. Instagram's key. I think we do a great job. I think you do a great job. <laughs> and not just Podbean. I found out that Podbean reaches out. We're on iTunes, Google Play. We're on a whole Safari. Facebook has an app. I didn't even know that. We have. You know what? I'm going to give a shout out to a stranger. Someone from the Northwest Territories is downloading our shows and listening. They're like a weekly lister. I don't know who you are, but you need to leave us a comment because you are a true fan of the show. Please give us a comment on our Instagram page or shoot us an email because we'd love to have you on to talk about uh, how you found us and how we can better uh, get involved out there. It's awesome to hear that uh, we're Canada-wide. Canada-wide, we got some U.S. downloads. Feel free to give comments, too. Um, we have some international ones. I couldn't figure out if that was just super fun of the show, Ben Saxon downloading the show when he's on tour, or if we actually have some international flavor. There's so many questions that we There's have so in these, these analytics we're getting from Podbean. And according to TJ Sanders, who's also minor super best friend of the show, Iran will win. Uh, shout out to the men's national team who is in Iran for uh, World League, Volleyball Nations League, whatever they're going to want to call themselves. But uh, best of luck to them, and and uh, I'm looking on Instagram. Iran will win. 
And with that, I think we can wrap up episode 12. Another, another dandy by the boys here. We know. We just keep hitting it out of the park. We're batting a thousand. Good. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. And uh, the nicest compliment you can give us is just tell one friend about the show. And then he'll tell one friend. And then, bam, we're just going to keep growing, and soon we're going to be in every province and territory across Canada. Yes, we did it. Bye, Josh's mom. Bye, mom. <laughs>